This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parking or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play. That is that. What a good shot. Oh, what a good goal. Far post for Shearer. Goal. McLaughlin has it. Oh, deflection. And a goal. Comes to Mitchell. It's another goal. Incredible. Hobble. Over 9,000 Swindon Town fans largely enjoyed an emotional return to the county ground, but the occasion was spoiled by those lousy, good-for-nothing killjoys, Carlisle United, who left Wiltshire with three points thanks to a 2-1 victory. Joining me for this instalment of The Low Strangers is one Connor Garrett. Connor, hello. How long did it take you to get home? Not as long as it did last week, so I am... A lot more energetic today on the podcast. I apologise in advance. Perfectly forgiven. And also joining us is Dave Abbott. Hello, Dave. How long did it take you to get home? Uh, about 10 minutes. 10 minutes in the car. To make that cool. Makes you feel better. Any any better, Connor? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a home game, right? So <laughs> it's completely my own fault for not living in Swindon. We we take the L where we, where we can. <laughs> I don't know if that's the L. <laughs> <laughs> Here's something, Connor. As a as a fellow non-Swindonian, have you ever considered it? Have you ever thought, you know what, I'm going to move closer? Yeah, maybe maybe that would be part of the playbook for the coming years. Because uh, I'm just starting to think, you know, all of these trains, like going to Swindon, is kind of like an away day in in a certain way. Because if you're going like far enough, you kind of want to make a day of it, and that is a tiring thing to do on a weekly basis. Uh, so, um, yeah, maybe I just rent out one of the boxes in the Don Rogers once they open those up and go from there. So, uh, yeah, if, if the club are, are listening, then, uh, 
yeah, I'll, t- I'll, I'll take one of the boxes and just make it into my own bachelor pad. Before we get to the game, let's let's go through some uh, pre-match bits and pieces. So the world just went a little bit crazy on Friday evening when it was announced that Swindon had signed Wales international midfielder Johnny Williams. Um, Johnny Williams is a long, um, I don't know, friends that are, but he's, he's worked with Ben Garner a lot through the days at Crystal Palace. If you don't know who Johnny Williams is, you'll hear a lot about them because uh, our Welsh members of the Low Strangers absolutely love this guy. He started his career at Crystal Palace. He's had plenty of loan spells, plenty of injuries as well. But there's some really good articles about Johnny Williams if you look around. He was part of Wales's Euro 2016 and 2020 squads. Uh, he was on the pitch when Daniel Sturridge scored for England <laughs> late on in that game. Um, so, you know, that's an interesting perspective. All, all jokes aside, though, Connor, this is an absolutely insanely impressive signing, even if we don't consider the uh, caveats just yet. Yeah, I mean, honestly, my reaction to the signing is not broadcastable because it took me so much by surprise, by surprise, sorry, that I just didn't know how to process it. Like, it's not he's not a player that should be in League Two. He's probably not really a player that should have been in League One. And I think he was only in League One with, with um, Charlton because obviously Charlton got relegated, which I don't think he had a huge amount to do with. But um, yeah, caveats aside, it's an unbelievable signing. And I, I just hope that, you know, we're going to be able to sort of avoid some of the caveats. <laughs> There's no avoiding any of the caveats because almost every player that we sign has some sort of um, injury record. But Dave, I mean, this is probably our first... Uh, signing that has Netflix appearances on their uh, on their CV, having played for Sunderland on loan a few years back. If you look around the reaction from non-Swindon fans, which I did on Friday evening, you know, Wales fans absolutely adore this guy. And most fans of teams he's played for previously, of course, especially Crystal Palace, but also good reviews from Charlton and Sunderland too. The rhetoric is all there that this is a hell of a player. Yeah, I'm it, like Connor said, he's far too good for this division. He's far too well, probably too good for the division above. It's, I mean, we're calling it a caveat, but it's he's going to be the best player in this division for about the ten games that he might manage in, in one <laughs> spell. That's the that's the only reason we signed. We've managed to sign him in the first place. Like, like be, being honest about it, it's a shame for him, obviously. But you look back at his career and he struggles to get long runs of form or long runs of games under his belt. But then you look at the squad as a whole and we we look like we might have decent depth to cover that off the back of like if he if he if he does go down for a spell. It'll be interesting to see how he fits into the team in general, I think. And I think reading between the lines, I don't I'm not quite sure what this means for the transfer embargo either, because I was under the impression that there were quite strict limits on the kind of contracts we could be handing out, but you'd think they'd be kind of below the kind of price that a player of his stature would be asking for. So not quite sure what's going on there, but yeah, all, all round it's a, it's a very, very, very positive signing and I'm very excited and I'm excited for, for James and Joe that they get to watch the proud Welshman born in the town of Pembury in Kent pulling on the shirt. Oh, that's poor. <laughs> that's poor. I largely agree, but it's poor. Um, in, in terms of his injury record, I mean, over 
last season with Charlton and Cardiff collectively played 30, uh, about about 30 games. And then the season before that, 27. That's not too bad, is it, Connor? Oh, yeah, but those are higher than I thought. I mean, you've caught me on the, the blink there because clearly I've just winged it. <laughs> on, on this signing I, I only found out sort of broadly what kind of position he was a few days ago I've watched him several times throughout his career so I don't know how I've not not been aware of that that that's 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 a slight aside but I, I think it'd be interesting to see where he fits in and like exactly how much we get out of him this this year because you know he's, he's 27 so that's kind of like prime years for a midfielder right it'll be really interesting to see if we get prime Johnny Williams when he's playing um and yeah it'll be kind of interesting to see how he's used because I guess a player of his quality in League Two can possibly be used in a different way to like what you know Wales at the Euros in 2016 might be trying to trying to get him to to play because the kind of constraints on the team around him are maybe slightly different and like his his relationship with the other players around him may be slightly different as well. So like I, I guess can't get away from the fact that when he plays he, he is probably going to be the star name that every team's going to be looking at like how do we keep him quiet it could be a really good thing for like all of the creative players that we've got in where like I don't want to come on to Saturday too quickly because obviously we're not on that but you know there, there were certain points where I think players were just sort of you know taken like not taken out of the game but uh maybe frustrated by the attention they received and you know maybe if that's diverted to like a star name then uh then it could it could benefit the whole team really and and in line with what and with what they've said before about how on earth we've managed to sign this, you know, sentimentality signing for a pal in, in Ben Gunn or someone you respect. Do you have any concerns about how on earth we're doing this? Uh I mean uh, yeah, it's one of those things that we clearly just have absolutely no idea. I mean, from what Ben Garner said after the game um on Saturday, it sounds like he did have better offers elsewhere. So maybe there is something in it other than like monetary value. Maybe there's like some kind of agreement that like we get him in like sort of ship shape and uh, firing on all, all cylinders. And then like, you know, if someone comes in in January, then potentially he is allowed to leave or something like that. I've, n- I've absolutely no idea. I'm kind of at this point, just, I'm willing to enjoy it uh, yeah. for a bit. I'm I'm kind of, not so worried and I'm, I'm sure that you know if it was like something that that could be like a bad policy going forward there'll be more signs and uh we'll start to kind of be aware of that a little bit further down the line but yeah I, I, that that wasn't really my initial thought I think my, my initial thought was like you know click like how has this happened um and yeah like I guess you know whatever whatever it is it's just so exciting to have a player of his sort of caliber on board it really is, and I, I agree. I, 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 my initial reaction was more, blimey, that's really good signing than opposed to how are we paying for that? But I got to be honest, I probably started thinking about that about an hour later. When was the last time you went bloody hell, Dave? When we signed someone? Because I got to be honest, when Leon Clark was supposed to be our marquee signing in 2011, I was all, ah, it's fine. Um, I was probably more excited for uh, Alberto Camazzi to be honest <laughs> when was the last time we signed someone that you went Christ bloody hell yeah that's a that's a tough one I'd like to say be wise after the event and say Ryan Mason but he didn't quite have the um, reputation at the time yeah I, I don't really know to be honest I, I guess Doughty just because we knew how he was back yeah he was at yeah level, but... possibly Matt Taylor 
maybe. I mean, I know he was kind of faded by then, but like in terms of the name, that's probably like comparable, maybe. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a good one. We're gonna we're gonna go with Matt Taylor. I think so. Yeah, I think that works. Paul Ince, it is. Paul Ince for Dave. <laughs> Paul Ince is the last time I followed a transfer on CFAX. There you go. That that dates both that transfer and and uh, my ways and means of. Uh, I was I was on holiday. Didn't have yeah, phones. weren't that great. I don't think in two thousand and six were they. I can't remember. And. Um, just watching CFAX refresh to see that sweet free transfer um, come on through. What a day. <laughs> that was anticlimactic, wasn't it, that signing? <laughs> he won us a penalty against MK Dons, yeah. so come yeah. on. Come on. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he did a better job than Kessler did um, in trying to get that penalty. So let's move on to uh, match day now. So there's a couple more bits before we get to the game. So st- Dave, sticking with you, um, big news before the game was that the town end has been renamed in honour of former player and uh, academy director Alan McLaughlin. Um, so it's now the Alan McLaughlin town end. Logical, lovely, feel good news, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's the right thing to do. Um, it sounds like well, the the old ownership were shoddy I, th- I guess is maybe being a polite way to say how they how they treated him so it's good that offering an olive branch back to the McLaughlin family I guess in that sense and just paying tribute to paying tribute to the guy who should have got us promoted to the to the top division for the first time um yeah it's it's a it's a it's a great thing to do it's a yeah it's a no-brainer thing to do it's a credit all round something that everyone always talks about Alan McLaughlin is that he was, because his family is Swindonian, he was just so in the fibre. Do you get that feeling when that announced that that the whole town sort of felt, felt that? I think so. You just saw just the outpouring of... Because of, he played a lot for us, but he his career was more Portsmouth. That was his number one team, wasn't it? But... The outpouring of emotion that followed after after he passed away earlier in the year from town fans, and you saw it with the with the charity game that we did and the the fundraising off the back of that. It's it's, it's testament to how how well loved he was and how well respected he was, and the fact that for a man of all his all of his experience and all of his contacts that he must have had to come back and work what must have been a fairly thankless job, a little youth setup in a fairly underfunded uh, lower league team it it shows how much he he cared about the team and the area so the fact that we can honor him in this way and hopefully it's a it's an ongoing thing going forward now for 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 a long time to come and yeah it's 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 just a great thing all around absolutely it is connor there was a role of honor uh for swindon town fans that had passed away over the last year usually reserved for the end of the season but of course there were no fans in the ground but there was a big issue really Highlighted by many fans, especially those in the Don Rogers, who would have put their family and friends' names forward because, sadly, they couldn't hear it. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we've kind of been aware of the the PA system in, like issues where it's kind of been intermittent for a little while now. I guess no surprises that like it's been like low down the priority of sort of things to to fix immediately because there, there must have just been so much to get done. You can see like attending the game. The amount of work that they had done on the stadium, like that, that Arkell's roof was spick and span, wasn't it? Um, 
Uh, yeah, it was. I guess it, it's one of those ones where I guess unless you um, are sort of personally affected by it, you may not sort of think about it sort of um, sort of season upon season. So I, I can't honestly say like I know exactly how um, these things have been done before. But um, yeah, I guess it was. It was just kind of a shame that you know it ha- happened with these sort of PA system issues and also quite a long time before kickoff. So I guess a lot of people may be sort of miss that as well myself included so um yeah um potentially like going forward it'd be hope well hopefully sort of we'll we'll learn from that but you know I think um people have made the point that it's the first big event in Swindon for 18 months or whatever so yeah there's always bound to be sort of difficult things but it's a shame that that that's one thing that was kind of uh, affected by just the fact that it was the first event in so long yeah I, I think it's absolutely got to be with the players on the pitch and the referee sort of officiating the the silence or the applause or just the roll call um, at all times, because that's when the fans are in the ground and, you know, it's not half empty. I mean, I had a family member that was called out in 2016, last game of the season against Shrewsbury. And I've I, I got to be honest, a lot of the build-up of that day was getting ready to hear that name be called out. And it meant a lot. You know, it didn't mean anything to anyone else in the ground, but it meant a lot to me. And if I'm honest, if I didn't hear it, I'd have felt a bit frustrated. So, I mean, no one's pointing fingers at the individuals here. You know, it's one of those things where we know the the DRS has issues audio wise. But if you're going to do those sort of emotive gestures, it's got to be done right. Yeah, and no, I guess it's it's kind of the the sort of thing that like now it's been raised and. Um you know, hopefully that means that those kind of things get resolved with regard, like, the, the PA system, because I guess that's, like, actually a really important thing to have in terms of, like, the stadium, and like, so that people know what, what kind of things are being announced, because it's not just the opening day of the season. It's, like, I guess most games, there's, like, something noteworthy for some people in the crowd that's going on, and even just in terms of organising stuff, if, like, certain things are happening in the stands, then... Um, yeah, it's good that that's kind of been been brought up, I guess. But um, yeah, uh, I mean, it was it was like quite an emotional sort of time to come back in to the stadium. I think if you if we widen it generally, like there was a lot going on pre-game. So yeah, what a what a an afternoon really to be back. Pushed out, and Yates is there to put it home for Swindon, and surely now the game is wrapped up. Nine goals for the season for Jerry Yates. Let's talk football then. So the HMS Piddle League 2 came up against the HMS Carlisle. Uh, Swindon uh, made a couple of changes. So in goal still, Jojo Wallacott, Kessler, Hunt, Conroy and Critchlow at the back. Uh, Grant and Louis Reed, who Lewis Reed, who came in for Ellis Iandolo, and McCurdy, Payne, Gladwin, and Simpson completing the lineup. So, Dave, I, I suppose that's a four-three-two-one. Um, yeah. So they set up in a like kind of four-two-three-one. Sorry, four-four-two-three-one. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, Reed and Grant as the two sitting midfielders. Um, Gladwin kind of sat in the central of the three attacking midfielders with Payne and McCurdy on either side of him, and and Simpson up top. It was. It was kind of. I said to my friend when I went, it was kind of strange that watching watching the warm ups and seeing Akinodomeo in our player of the season from last year, and like, this is the first time that I've seen him in the flesh. It was just <laughs> a really weird moment. Like the whole, like kind of touched on the whole, like 
pre-match aspect of it was all kind of a good bizarre, but bizarre in a way. Um, but yeah, the uh, a lot of new faces. Um, yeah, we well, I guess we'll come on to how the game went, but yeah, some did some did better than others. I guess we'll say. Does does Jack Payne not mean anything to you? Oh, I, I'm I'm a big fan of Jack Payne. I've got I've got. Did many... you not see his face and go, "Wow, that's Jack Payne." Um, I saw there's a photo that the club have tweeted out with uh, the players lined up and the um, the banner that the Great Western Weds have got in the background, and uh, Jack Payne looks quite excited in that photo. So I have. Oh wow! There we go. Um, I I mean. I haven't noticed, but the first thing I'm going to do when this recording is is completed is I'm going to search for that picture. Football's back, baby. <laughs> yeah, football is back. And as we are desperately trying to move away from this, <laughs> while we're here, Connor, shall we just give respect for a lovely uh, fan TIFO by the Great Western Reds? Yeah, uh, it was, I mean, because I'm now sitting in the Don Rogers, I couldn't see it at the time, but like seeing the images of it is really good. Uh, and, you know, I can also even just make out my, my little head bobbing along there in the in the photo as well, which is even better for me. I mean, it's uh, like a sentiment behind the TIFO kind of thing that I, I'm sure we can all get behind. Um, just uh, so much effort must go into those kind of things. So like full respect and, uh, you know, I really like. I just enjoy those games. It like gives you like a bigger sense of occasion. Not that not that we even really needed one, but it kind of marks the occasion, doesn't it? So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one. Dave, talk football at me. So it's nil nil early on. How are Swindon starting? I thought for the first five minutes we started quite brightly. I thought um, it, it was very evident from the beginning how Ghana wants us to play, playing out from the back, um, using the width and having the um, kind of attacking players running with the ball and running at the defence. Um, and then kind of, I mean, it was only, it's only like, Carlisle scored on 12 minutes, but we started brightly and then it kind of, it kind of settled a bit. Um, it felt like, it felt like Carlisle got a bit more comfortable with, uh, they looked at, looked at us and were like, okay, well, this is what they're going to do. We'll, we'll, we know what we're dealing with now. And I thought it was fairly even to be um I thought when yeah when the goal went in it was a like a like a fantastic uh, hit by I can't remember the the guy's name but it was a good hit um, and I wouldn't say either side particularly deserved to be ahead or behind at that point it's just one of those things and then sadly um, we kind of <laughs> fell not 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 apart but we fell we, we became a bit stodgy after that point um, the, the the movement and the link up play wasn't there and. What should have been simple passes weren't going there where they should have been, and kind of the stuff that you'd expect for a team that was put together two or three weeks ago, like I touched on a couple of weeks ago. So it's it's to be expected to to to, uh, to be fair, but yeah, um, it was kind of if we're going to score, it felt like we were going to score from a set piece rather than open play because it didn't seem like we were fashioning a lot of chances, and then that's kind of that that's that's what happened, Connor. Jojo made a good save before the goal and there was not much he could do for Riley's effort. Did it feel like, would you agree? Did it feel like a sucker punch? Yeah, it's funny. I was like listening to Dave speaking there. I was kind of casting my mind back to last season and thinking like, like for all intents and purposes, like we are a completely different football club. Like functionally, like there's like not very many people that are kind of still sort of working in like a playing capacity. 
that were here last season. <laughs> but that kind of goal after the first like you know five or six minutes of being like quite good, um, and then it kind of settling down and then scoring is like straight out of the 2020 2021 kind of playbook. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely that wasn't what I was thinking at the time. It's just just occurred to me now that that, that starting well and conceding in the first 10 to 20 minutes was uh, was definitely something that we got used to quite a lot. Um, I yeah, I would agree that it was it was relatively even up until that point. Um, I think yeah, unless you're like really like pressuring and like have a few chances before you score, like an early goal is never like going alongside the run of play. But I think Carlisle backed up when they scored by sort of having a few more chances where they sort of maybe might have might have scored. Um, the goal, I think, was a bit of a weird one because we just like failed to clear our lines. I think Payne sort of swings a boot at it, but just, it kind of doesn't like connect in the way that he'd have wanted and it just lands with, with Joe Riley and he can slam it straight into the corner, like n- nothing the keeper can do about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we... <sighs> what I would point out is like the crowd reacted really well to it for like the second week running. We've got a goal behind and the initial response of the Swindon fans has been to like roar and get behind the team, which I think is, is great. Like I hope that we can continue to do that sort of regardless of how the season goes, because like, yeah, I think sometimes when you concede, you can be a little bit vulnerable, but vulnerable, but eventually they kind of rode it out. And I think by the time we scored, uh, which we kind of came on to at the end there, um we'd had a couple of sort of flashes um that we might do something a few little surges forward uh, and yeah for for me it it felt like it was a deserved equalizer um i was actually attending with a carlisle fan um who after the game when we met up um he'd obviously been in the traveling section um he was absolutely convinced it wasn't a deserved equalizer but yeah for me it was so maybe the truth is somewhere in between Oh, I can't do that. I can't do that sort of go with a a friend who will then spend 90 minutes elsewhere because if it doesn't go your way, the the, the full-time conversation is rubbish. I remember when we lost at Bristol City uh, 3-0 in 2015, a friend of mine called me after the game to tell me how Swindon were a bunch of rotters. And I was just like, we've just lost 3-0, man. Take it mm. easy. You know, um, so yeah, congratulations to Romani Critchlow who got his first senior goal. Um, we'll talk about his display a bit later on, but before we go any further, because just before the goal, Kane Kessler, uh, our Kess got booked. Um, it is by virtue of COVID a, an Olympic summer. So, what rating are you giving him, um, for that uh, act of simulation? to get a yellow card. Dave, scores out of 10. Let's go 10 instead of yeah. 5. It was a strong 9.1, I think. 9.1, okay. And Connor of Hampshire, what are you, what are you going for? Uh, I mean, I think if you do it and the referee doesn't think, oh, that's a clear free kick, then like surely it's a low score rather than a high one. So I'm going to go for like a 3 or a 4. But it's a weird one. Like if you, if we look at like his two yellow cards in the stadium, I thought that wasn't a yellow and the other one was, uh, and then like watching the highlights, it's completely the opposite way around. It's like a very clear dive. I can't believe I ever criticized the ref. <laughs> and the, the second one, I'm now not convinced to even make contact, but um, yeah, like we'll, we'll come on to that later. So one, one lovely, but it sucker punch again in the, uh, 
43rd minute when Tristan Abraham scored after a long throw. Wallacott saved well, but he was there to score the rebound. Tristan Abrahams was part of that Newport County side uh, that did us twice 2-0 in our League 2 Championship winning season. And that goal, Dave, was very Newport County, wasn't it? Yeah, we we struggled with long throws all game. Um, and I don't know if you saw it any differently, Connor, but they weren't. They didn't seem like they were particularly long, long throws. <laughs> Which sounds like a bit of an oxymoron, but they, they seemed eminently um, dealable, um, to use parlance that I've just made up. But it's yeah, it's, they're they're one of the softer types of goals concede, aren't they? Because they're they they weren't the balls weren't coming in at any great speed. They were barely beating the first man, who I think was um, Kessler Hayden, and. It's just, yeah, it's just sloppy defending. And yeah, like you say, very, um, very Newport County of, of the late last decade. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. It, it, they were kind of like long throws from a team that, you know, I, I, like they're not like a Stoke sort of late noughties or like an Iceland at Euro 2016, if we're going to continue the uh, Euro 2016 references. Um, it I think it, it might be a little bit concerning if we continue to kind of have that kind of, thing going in because yeah like you say in it, it never kind of it didn't feel that dangerous before the goal but it came in and uh obviously they've got that the, the thing I'd pick out more is like the defensive movement we just seem to just be stood still for the second ball which uh I'm, I'm sure is not what was intended so hopefully that will be like a, a learning experience or you know potentially I, I'd rather it's something that we learn from than like a weakness that we have in terms of sort of defending for set plays and physical parts of the game but uh, I guess time will tell right mm, yeah Dave Tristan Abrahams is a record against Swindon played five he's won four and drawn one so a bogey player in the making there yeah I I, th- I think that was also if, if I caught the commentary right on the extended highlights his first goal in 28 games which I've probably backs up <laughs> <laughs> oh, god <laughs> Connor, halftime Ben Garner, or well, in the post-match Ben Garner said there were words at halftime because he wasn't happy with the first half performance. Um, what, what ultimately, other than conceding two goals, what was wrong with it? I think it was just a little bit disjointed and that's probably to be expected from like how we've entered the season. Um, yeah, for, for my money, it was like we, we like, were okay with the ball at the back. We looked a little bit shaky when Carlisle tried to get at us and we weren't too creative, which, you know, when you combine that all, like that kind of comes up to losing two on a half time. It was, there was no one really sort of standing out too positively. Maybe Critchlow was sort of the stand-up player, obviously having scored, did everything else well for for my money. Um, but yeah, I guess the problem is we've got all of these like attacking players like Payne and Gladwin and McCurdy and we just hadn't really got them the ball. I'd barely seen McCurdy in the first half. Simpson had run in behind a couple of times but didn't sort of get given like a chance really to work with. Um, and yeah, Gladwin was 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 quite quiet. He sort of hit a shot from range that wasn't quite as good as last week. And uh, yeah, it was it was you can you can kind of see like the nub of an idea there. Um, and that kind of continued into the second half, in which we were a little bit better, you know, maybe partly to do with the game state. Uh, but I think largely it was just it wasn't quite there. So you know, if you're if you're the manager, then you're just trying to hope that you can. I guess you can 
bring everyone up to speed. Ben Garner was happy with the second half and I was following it from afar and using purely social media to to follow the game. And it, it felt like it was all Swindon, but appreciate from you know the club uh, social media, it, it tends to be the way. Was that the case? Was it? Did it feel like Swindon were going to get back in or were Carlisle doing enough? Because a lot of people were making noise about time-wasting, etc. in that second, weren't they? Uh, yeah, they definitely were time-wasting. The keeper got booked after an hour. Um, but that's what you do as an away team when you're when you're a goal up, isn't it? So I'm not going to get too wound up by that. Um, we were better in the second half, and we did create a lot more chances. Um, uh, Iandolo came on for Hunt after about 55, 60 minutes, and that immediately gave us like, so much more width down the left-hand side. It made us a lot more balanced in attack as well, because in the first half, Hunt was barely making strides into the Carlisle half and I'm not sure if that was uh, by design or just he, he just wasn't making those runs but it meant that any 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 width from our team was coming down the right hand side with Kessler Hayden and that makes it a lot easier to defend and so um, with Iandolo coming on literally the first thing he does, does is is run 60 yards into the penalty area and smack the keeper in the stomach so that's that kind of that was a big sea change and we 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 were moving the ball a lot quicker. Um, Payne and McCurdy were getting on the ball a lot more. Um, I'm not sure how much of it was. We were playing better, but I'm not sure how much of that was enabled by Carlisle, whether subconsciously or deliberately sitting back and kind of moving to protect what they had rather than um, kind of push for another goal. But again, saying that, if, if I look back on it, I wouldn't say we created any anything clear cut. We had we had some good half chances. Kane had one um, flashing in. Uh, not Kane, uh, Payne, sorry, had one flashing in on the right-hand side of the box second half. And McCurdy probably had the best opportunity where he's um, the ball's come across and he's um, hit it into the side name from a very tight angle. Um, but, yeah, we didn't really create anything much more obvious than that. Um, so I think we'd have, we'd have definitely deserved the point, I think, um, and there's definitely a lot of positives to take from that second half and the way that we applied ourselves and the way that the the attacking movements and the attacking shapes began to work a lot better. I think it looks like there's a lot more learnings to be had with maybe when you when you've got that kind of mid attacking midfield three playing together, there's not too much width there. So you you'd need your fullbacks to be doing a lot more running than we did in the first half. So Hopefully that's something we can learn from and take from um, moving forward as well. Lovely. Connor, anything to add to that? Yeah, well, I mean, really, I just completely agree with with Dave's assessment there because I think there were, there were a couple of times we got into like decent areas and it was probably like there was a couple for, for Kessler Hayden where he, he, he kind of shot and it was maybe like just off target. Obviously, the pain one, we absolutely lashed it over as well. Where like on a on a day where we're uh, we're clicking a little bit more, they play the final ball and it's on a plate for Simpson or another striker to score it or something like that. So I I, I liked a lot of the approach play, but sort of once we got into the final third, we weren't quite decisive enough. Um, towards the end of the game, I quite liked the look of Reed. I thought like generally he was like quite quiet and untidy to be honest, and I think he was wound up at himself because there was definitely a point where he steered a pass out of play and just like shouted. <laughs> various obscenities at himself 
um, <laughs> which, uh, you know, at least he's sort of holding himself to, to account, I guess. There was a Doughty-esque through ball through to Kessler, Hayden, um, sort of late on, which was kind of his high point. And I thought it was a little bit, with, with Grant, it was a little bit of a, a weird one, because I think he worked really hard, obviously, to less effect than last week. And that partnership is in the early phase, but he seems to be like dropping into different areas to receive the ball from the defence than, than we've seen him doing before. So I think like, I always remember him from the League Two season as like kind of dropping centrally in between the defenders and then playing the ball up from there. But he was kind of like doubling up for, for Kessler Hayden to in the right back slot so he could like run along. So I almost, I almost wonder whether sort of in the, the first half, the system was to like have her, like McCurdy like hugging the touchline, and then second half they allowed him to come in a little bit more because he, he I think McCurdy was really at the the center of everything good we did, but was kind of a bit inconsistent with what he did. So like if you look at the actual highlights, he's involved in a lot of it, but he also like did a lot of really frustrating stuff as well. So I think it was it's just a little bit mismatched and they're going to feel their way through and eventually there's going to be sort of partnerships developing. Like hopefully that Grant and Reed partnership can develop the Critchlow and Conroy partnership and things in wide areas because, yeah, I, I, I guess this like that kind of thing where, where we're just lacking that little bit of quality in the final third, that's kind of what what you're going to have, have when you've had like a short pre-season, right? So uh, yeah. for me, it's... Uh, it, it was it was kind of to be expected, and I, I'd imagine if we played this game in September, things might have clicked a little bit more than than it did on the day. But that's sure. that's clutching at straws. <laughs> Dave on Harry McCurdy, obviously he was playing against his former side, and you know there's no love lost between Carlisle United fans and McCurdy. There, there's been a suggestion that he may have been a bit over keen. Um, did you see that? Was was that reflected in his performance this weekend? Yeah, definitely. In the first half, he was um, the the king of of finding dead ends to run down and lose the ball. <laughs> was it was it Carlisle where he posted something on Instagram about there being a conspiracy against him, or was that one of his other clubs? I, it's probably Carlisle. He, I think he did pretty much everything to wind them up <laughs> and talk about <laughs> Chelsea a lot. <laughs> yeah, he um, he definitely was too emotionally invested I think in the first half I'd agree with Connor he was much more improved in the second half and yeah a lot of the things we did well he was involved when I think as time goes on he just looks like he's going to be one of those players that's going to um, delight people and infuriate people in equal measures because that's he's he's a bit of an old he looks a bit old school in in kind of he's a get the ball run at someone and sometimes that works sometimes it doesn't and when it doesn't it's it's very frustrating and when it works um as you purring doesn't it so hopefully hopefully it'll be more of that moving forward yeah yeah um just before the game ended our Kess, Kessler was sent off for a second yellow card uh, Kessler himself described it as rash and stupid sorry two games into the EFL season and it's looking very much like he's going to be absolutely key. So, Con, it's very frustrating that we'll lose him for a game for that. Yeah, because I'm, I, I've really, really enjoyed watching him the first two games of the season. So I'm a little bit sad they're not going to see him on Tuesday against Tranmere. Um, but like, I don't know why the ball's gone back to him there. I think he's been kind of caught unawares, and then like has felt, oh well, I need to make the tackle, and he probably didn't. And like it, it was a yellow. I, like the thing that annoyed me was like the action of the Carlisle player rolling around when he's been like tapped 
it, that that's just like the sort of thing that like yeah does get you going as a football fan like in a bad way but um yeah that it, it was not needed I, I think he knows that but like probably in the moment you're just like not thinking and, and it happens but yeah that that kind of yellow card I think we can all take had he not been booked for diving in the first half but like I think his reaction immediately after the game to kind of front up and and say about that speaks quite positive. Like it speaks positively about his character, and hopefully he does learn from it. And hopefully we've got him back for Salford next weekend and um, can enjoy some more foraging down that right hand side. Because yeah, like we, we've got other options back in that position, but um, yeah, he's he's definitely going to be sort of one of the the key players this season. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about Man of the Match. Um, I've asked listeners for theirs, a few contributions. We'll start with Steve Hale, who was doing co-coms for the game. He says, Critchlow for me, definitely, though credit also to Kessler, who is a cracking prospect. And final mention to Ellis Iandolo for providing some impetus late in the game, making an impact from the bench. STFC Insider says, Kessler for me. Brightest spark in the team. Surprised so many are choosing Critchlow. Yes, he scored, but he missed a ton of headers. They went right over him, so won't be in aerial dual stats, which created chances for Carlisle and a couple real hospital passes. And Alex Hay says, on one hand, Kessler was a huge threat, but on the other hand, he wasted three or four good chances and got sent off for a petty foul. Would probably go for pain as he was usually the one getting us on the front foot against a well-organized outfit. Overall, Romany Critchlow is the fans' man of the match, the listeners' man of the match, so well done to him. But Connor, who gets your vote? For me, it's Critchlow. I think he, he's kind of the obvious choice in terms of scoring, but he just kind of exuded so much confidence at the back and built the play out really well. I think like that that partnership with Conroy was nicely well balanced as well. Like we not mentioned Conroy that much, and I think he had a decent game. Like both of the goals that that Carlos scored, I, I don't know if I necessarily would blame on on either of the centre halves. Um, but yeah, like the the players that have been picked out there, I think I all agree. Like Iandolo, who played ninety at, at the way that he did for the, the sort of half an hour or so that he was on would easily be in one of is brilliant when he came on. Um, yeah, Kesler Hayden, I think the only thing is it is the red card. Um, and because that was for two separate moments, like for me, that kind of takes him out of um, being part of that discussion. But um, yeah, I, feel, I think re- really it's, um, there were a load of solid performances, but they were the ones that stood out. Yeah, Dave, would you agree? Um, I'm not, I can't, I missed I miss the guy, the guy's name he tweeted in the, that Cricklow missed a lot of, a lot of um, defensive headers, but that's kind of how I saw his performance as well. I didn't. I, I, I admit I'm kind of in the minority of this and reading the reactions after the game, so I'm I'm probably wrong. But <laughs> he, he did. I, I he he looked a lot like a player making his first professional appearance, and I'm not saying he was bad because he wasn't. He put in a solid enough shift, but I didn't quite see the. Um, hype that that everyone else had around him my I guess my 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 vote would have gone either between um Kessler Hayden or Payne um because I thought Kessler Hayden because of everything we talked about and I thought Payne um kind of throughout looked the most likely to get something going he was he was buzzing around a lot he used the belt he used the ball well I thought um and I guess because Kessler Hayden got sent off I'll be old school and and give it to Payne to be a bit to be a bit different but 
I th- I'm, again, I'm, I'm fully aware I'm in the minority on this one. It was it was your friend Dan that made the STFC insider. Oh, was it? It's, it's, ah. your, it's, it's your real life friend. Yeah, that you I just ignored. I, I watched it with him. I watched the game with him yesterday, so I've kind of just parroted his um, his view. So he's going to be very, very happy when he hears this. <laughs> Um, okay then, so that's 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 two different votes. So we've got to go to Terry for this one. And Terry was at the game. Um, I, you know, Connor put Critchlow, and Terry has put. I don't disagree enough to argue. So Critchlow gets the man <laughs> of the match <laughs> from from the podcast. So it's uh, Kessler double for game one, and it's a Critchlow double for game two. And that's democracy, guys. It's the best system we have. So there we go. Hello, I'm Stephen Bender, and you're listening to the Loaf Stranger podcast. Okay, it's that part of the podcast where I give the guys a break and read some listeners' contributions. We start with Maz, who says, I thought we looked very good considering our circumstances. Gladwin is still off the pace, but I'm sure he will be there soon. Tyree Simpson is a weird one. So many crosses in the second half never seem to be in the right place to connect with one. He has all the attributes of being the next Romelu Lukaku, but just didn't seem to be able to compete with the Carlisle centre-backs. He's young and will have a decent career, but we need someone who makes the right runs, can hold up the ball, and is a real threat. Kessler was excellent. Iandolo was ace when he came on. Critchlow looks like an incredible talent. I'm just deflated because we didn't play that bad, just didn't look a threat up front. When are we signing Jerome Sinclair? David Ager says pretty much no preseason. Players only just joined. Shows probably how bad Scunthorpe were. STFC Mark with work in progress still. Need a reality check on how far behind we are. Thanks to he who shall not be named. Steve Armand says overall so happy to be back in the ground. Felt wonderful being with fans again. Team needs to take better control of the game. Are we good enough to play out of the defence like that? Put ourselves under tremendous pressure and Carlisle knew it. But I'm happy enough. Swindon Slug says, Young Lonies usually look pretty raw at this stage of the season, but Kessler already looks a class player. End product wasn't quite there today, but we should enjoy having him this season. I doubt he'll be playing at this level for very long. There's bravado from James who says nobody will remember this result when we get promoted in May. But Luke says, and I thought we had sorted out midfield and defence. Yikes. Harry, if that's us after three weeks of preparation and an incomplete squad, I'm perfectly okay with that. Mr. Goods says definitely glimpses of something there. We need to have patience and keep our eye on the bigger picture. Paul D says, for a team halfway through preseason, which is what we are, we look decent. Some good football played at times, some better finishing, and we'd have had results to match. Going to see some good football this season. Richard Vowles says, team building takes time, and we knew this. Scunthorpe and new signings perhaps made us forget this temporarily. Joe Ranger says, you can see what we're trying to do and the individual qualities of the players we have when they click, it's going to be some team. Just have to be patient, and it's going to be an enjoyable season. The great Matthew Kilford says, come back to me in five games' time. More than enough positives. Shooting boots, fitness, time to gel, etc. And finally, H. The Duck says, merely a bump in the road on the way to the title. 
However, looking forward to having an experienced striker up front. So there we go. Thank you, everybody, for contributing. Very much a similar rhetoric across the board. Give it time and things will be okay in Connor. And that's that's really is the approach to go at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's really good that we have, like, seemingly as a fan base, all sort of had that kind of response, like I spoke earlier about the reaction after the first goal. I think it's really positive that, you know, People are kind of recognising that there is something to be to, to grow here and we just need to allow it the time and, uh, um, and you know, not build up the pressure too early. Like, you know, once we get to sort of some of those sort of really big games, if we are chasing doing something good this season, then um, I'm sure the pressure will be on. Um, but, you know, at this point, we just want to, you know, help the team through and uh, help them become sort of a team that are going to really excite us and, I just, I, I'm so glad to be back. Like, you know, yesterday was such a great occasion um, over, overall. Uh, and um, I, I think I said it before the game, but like going up to the game, it felt exactly like when I was going to sort of those big pressure cooker games in February and March last year, um, where it's just, it's just, you know, so much bigger than what we've had at the county ground for many, many years and what we would have had last season if we'd all been able to go to those kind of things. So oh, it, it's uh, it's going to be a fun season, I think, regardless of the pitch. But um, yeah, fingers crossed, like people getting behind the team and uh, and realising we're going to have room to grow means that we'll hopefully you know get better a little bit quicker. Yeah. And one final point on the fan reaction, uh, Dave. Maz mentioned there that he asked, when are we signing Jerome Sinclair? Um, I suppose the world is our oyster now that we're signing Wales internationals. So, um, you know, maybe an emotional return for Leon Clark. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's still, still knocking around, isn't he? Um, I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest. Jerome Sinclair has gone massively over my head. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, I've never not heard any, <laughs> any linking to him at all. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so before we go, let's talk about a couple of other bits and pieces, starting with the news that Zab Austin is our new vice chairman. It was another long statement by Clem Morfuni. It's really hard to describe. So it was a lot of people were impressed with this statement, but there was one paragraph which was just totally inappropriate relating to a recent assault on Zab Austin. That is hugely unfortunate for him, but very surprising to read within a football statement. The club also failed to distribute this statement beyond the websites, but I believe there was a brief cameo on Twitter before it was removed. And, you know, the club have been relentlessly putting out comms recently. And for that statement to be the only thing that's not been distributed beyond the website is slightly odd. Connor, having experienced what we've experienced over the last few years, it seems like Morfuni really wants to be transparent, but wasn't, or somebody wasn't hugely keen on shouting this news from the rooftops. Yes, it's on the website, but not many people go on that anymore. Yeah, I, d- I don't. I mean, obviously, like I think I just saw that from from someone mentioning that there was a statement on the website, so I had a look at it. But it's hard because like, there's so much information in that statement that it feels like it lives up to the transparency kind of thing. But there are some details in there that you don't know like how much of them are kind of relevant or not. So like, yeah, a lot of it good in terms of sort of the reaction to, to sort of the ongoing events at the club for the last sort of few weeks um, in terms of the positive vibes around season tickets and the game. But um, like ultimately we know not that much about 
this guy. Um, I think there's there's been enough sort of talk about him sort of behind the scenes that there may be some kind of suspicions around it. So I think like you have to be careful around how these kind of things are discussed. And yeah, I I I I don't really know what I think about this. Like ultimately, because I don't know anything about the guy other than really what's been said in the statement and sort of sort of what's been mentioned in sort of interviews about him sort of having been at the club sort of during the power times. And obviously there's statements about that from, from when that all happened on the club website, if you like go back years and years as well, I believe. So it's, yeah, I, that, that paragraph, like I was really surprised to sort of see that kind of extra detail in there. Cause you, you kind of think, well, is this in like, it, is this relevant in like a, it, it, like directly to Swindon town or is it, information to kind of just give us more of a knowledge of sort of what, where this guy is at the moment in terms of his life. Like, I, I don't know, but um, yeah, I was, <laughs> I was very surprised to see that, but fingers crossed. It's like, you know, just that he, he's giving us as much information as possible, but yeah, I'm, I've <laughs> absolutely no idea about how these things are decided. So I can't, I guess I can't comment. Yeah. Dave Zav Austin was a non-executive director during a part of the Lee Power years. And so therefore he is a former associate of a former glorious leader. And I mean, it just feels like the club is a bit of a Lee Power support group at the moment for the boardroom level, doesn't it? But I mean, I guess the reason I bring it up is because, you know, if you read around, there are plenty of potential worrying stories about Zav Austin and you know Connor's quite right it's a really difficult thing to talk about and we're not going to go into a huge amount of you know depth but it's just I just feel like of all the articles they don't put across all the usual channels it's this one and I, I gotta be honest that made me go hmm yeah yeah I've well we we're, we're we've we've got a lot of history of things to be um, skeptical of and apprehensive about when it comes to boardroom shenanigans, isn't it? And um, yeah, like you say, like the, the rumors of Zav Austin's background, they're like, they're not too hard to Google if, if people are interested, they are just rumors. So we don't know what's true and what's not. And to be honest, that's the, if the, if the club want to be open and honest, then they need to come out and probably address those rumours. Um, I, I don't know if uh, don't know if that's going too far or not, but it's. I think there it's right to be. I don't know if worried is the right word, but I mean, yeah, the guy who's come around from a, a, as an associate of Lee Power, so based on what we know from from Lee Power and the kind of people he rubs shoulders with it's not it's not a glowing reference um and so what's like again he's another another businessman where we don't know what his background is we don't know what his relationship to Clem is and that's his that's not his personal background that's his like his business background there's not you can you can see he owns a like a um a fitting company on LinkedIn but we don't know what kind of else he's done or what his success is. And we don't we don't know why he's still sticking around in Swindon Town once the man who introduced him to the club is gone. Which again are all things you can level at Clem. And Clem was asked those questions by 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 yourself and by every single media entity involved with the club um over the summer. And 
to be fair to him, in his actions since, by and large, he's he's walking the walk. So there's nothing, I guess. Whilst whilst being sceptical is and being um, apprehensive, maybe is is possibly healthy given our background. I guess there's we shouldn't necessarily write him write Austin off as being a nefarious character. <laughs> yeah, this this is this is three people that don't know what to no. say about something, isn't it? And yeah. you know, I mentioned I asked about Zav Austin to Clem Wolfuni in in my part of that junket. And I if I'm honest, I've I've said on this podcast before that this tenure that of Morfuni's will be the most, you know, analyzed of the lot and it should be because of what we experienced before. And I think to me, and only me, this is the first red flag for me, you know, so at this moment in time. And that doesn't mean, like you say, it's pretend it's it's hundred percent bad news. It could be zero percent bad news, but it's the first time I've gone. Okay, so we're still in that world because they're all former associates. That world is still there. Yeah, and if you've if the if they've got a stated aim for openness and transparency, there's then you should really be looking at addressing those kind of concerns. If not, point on then by releasing a statement again saying. My name's Ab Austin. I've done X, Y, Z in my career. I'm involved in Swindon Town because of X, Y, Z. I want to do X, Y, Z rather than just a... Uh, and the, and the, this, this, the statement was weird as well because it, it was new exec director appointed or whatever his job title is. And then one paragraph on that, one paragraph on him being beaten up and then about three paragraphs on how well the season ticket sales were going. And... <laughs> Ken needs to hire like a copy editor as part of this business rebuild that he's doing. But yeah, it it was buried. And if we're doing, if we're going, if we're aiming for openness openness and transparency, this is the kind of thing you need to be open and transparent and clear about. And yeah, I don't think that the comms around it so far have been. Yeah, well, agreed on that. But here's hoping there's nothing in that. Finally, we got Tramier on Tuesday. Tramier have yet to concede a goal in the league in their two their four points a one nil win and a nil nil draw so Connor, we know there's going to be a change at least one um what do you expect um in terms of the squad before the tramia game uh i, I would expect kesler hayden to be replaced at right back i think borough punt probably bring iandlo in i think he more than deserves a starting role as Actually surprised not to see him start on Saturday. So, yeah, definitely bring him in to the team. Uh, other than that, I think you stick with, like, broadly as much as you can the same. Not that, like, Saturday was so brilliant, but like I said, that we, we've kind of planted some seeds of little partnerships, like Reed and Grant and uh, Critchlow and Conroy. Like, let those kind of get a little bit more time to kind of mature um, together, I think, because none of them were so bad that we need to immediately change them. So for me, it's, it's one or two changes, you know, maybe if Williams is available, I don't know, don't know if he is, then, uh, then, then put him in somewhere. Um, but I think broadly kind of keep going down the, the road we're going. And um, if at half time it's not worked out, then then's the time to kind of make a few changes. Yeah. And Dave, I don't know if you know about this, but in the early 90s, the floodlights went off in a game against Tramier. Were you aware of that? Uh, I have heard of that rumour, yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if that happened again? 
<laughs> it's so yeah. funny. Yeah, it would. Yeah, give give them something to talk about. It'll be a tough game, I think. Um, I mean, Tramir looked like they've. I did Tramir signed Callum McManaman, which on paper is um, or kind of equivalent to signing Williams, I think, in terms of stature. And although they've lost the Lord and Saviour Kane Woolery, they look like they've kept most of their strong squad together from last year. So, yeah, it'll be a tough game. It's kind of. Like I said before, August is a free hit as far as I'm concerned. It's an extension of pre-season and it's about embedding the kind of systems and styles of play that Ghana wants to get throughout the rest of the season. And we saw on Saturday some green shoots of that. And so, yeah, as 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 Connor said, just a continuation of that is kind of all, all I'd want to see, really, on Tuesday. And a result would be nice, but it's not the end of the world. Well, here's hoping the world survives and we get a point or three. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Good run by him and now match goal. The Low Strangers is an independent podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Connor, have you got anything about Jerome Sinclair? Ex-Watford, Liverpool, I think. Oh, I sound like, I sound, I sound like Sean Hodgetts then. That was gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just let that sit there. There we go. Oh, Ooh. God. There, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> probably cut all of this. There's going to be a lot of editing in this one. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up, what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 